The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Okay, I'm so happy to be here with you guys. Yeah, um, so mindfulness of emotions. We sort of talked about practice with mindfulness, how to see them, how to understand their temporary nature, visitors, letting them come in and flow through week one, week two, kind of like looked at more of the conditioning that happens around emotions and how our bodies can store emotions and we can have, you know, unconscious responses to things that generate emotions. And tonight, the focus is on when um, emotions meet compassion. And um, I'm going to start with a, I'm going to say a few words about how to, how, what that looks like. What does it meet when, mean when compassion meets emotions? And maybe even what does it mean when there's no compassion there? And, um, and then I'm going to do a fairly detailed compassion meditation, a guided meditation. So much more than normal, a compassion practice. Um, and then for those who are new, after the meditation, I'll check in about questions and reflections, and then I'll kind of talk some more. I'll do some more education and Dharma talking about compa- compassion. And, and then we'll move into, um, for the last 20 to 30 minutes, small group discussions, exploring and discussing what, what's been shared and what you experienced. So um, that's the plan. So let's, what does it mean to, for you know, emotions to be met, right? So this is our practice, is to meet our experience, right? And we can turn toward our experience in lots of different ways. Or we might meet our experience by turning away from it. Right as well, which is not really meeting it, it's avoiding it. So I have this metaphor for me, which is there's maybe, and maybe you'll have, tell me later about some other options, but kind of think about there being three postures for being with emotions, three postures. One, I think one of the postures that is most common with emotions, um, or very common, I shouldn't say most common, I don't know, is what I might call is um, a merge with emotion or a collapse into emotion. So I, I think I really do, when I picture, this is how I picture it in my mind, that feeling of a collapse of a sinking in, um, of, of, you know, have you ever felt, I felt this this week, this shudder of being on the edge of an emotion and knowing, ooh, if I step that way, I'm going to go in. I'm going to be swallowed. And, you know, I chose not to do that. <laughs> so, and that, that going in, for me, is a, a bit of a collapse, or a huge collapse. So posture one is a collapse or a merger, merging with the emotion. So there's a lack of posture, really. Posture two would be um, a, a lot of distance, a wall, perhaps, between... Um, oneself and the emotion. So there's a lack of resonance, a lack of ability for the vibrational energy, because that's what emotions are. They're sensations that move through us. So there's this lack of ability for that sensation to be felt, to, to be met, because there's something hard or distant or disconnected. So there's no really resolution that can happen for that vibration. It isn't heard, right? It isn't, I sort of talk about the language of the body is sensation. The way that language is 
understood or the body feels heard is by our feeling it, sensing and feeling the sensations. So there's that, that might be a rejecting or disowning, right? Um, disconnection posture. The third posture is what I'll call side-by-side. And that's a posture where there's two or more standing side-by-side. And sometimes it might be like leaning in. So there's the shoulders. And sometimes compassion might actually even put its arm around the emotion. But sometimes it is equally compassionate to be maybe barely touching, like close enough that the vibrations can jump from body to body, but not not even leaning, not, not hardly touching, but there's still this... Have you ever stood by somebody who you could just feel their strength, their, their, their steadiness? You could feel that they were creating... They were creating some sort of, you know, equanimity or or balance or support. So, this making sense? This idea of these three postures. And so, the invitation is, I'm going to do this guided meditation and I, I want you to notice what posture you find yourself in when we're when I'm suggesting connection with suffering, right? Because that's, compassion is a response to suffering. Compassion acknowledges the common desire for happiness, and it's a sensitivity to other people's distress as well as our own. And then a desire to prevent it or alleviate it. But we'll talk more about that later, just a little little definition. So before I start the meditation, I just want to see if anyone needs anything clarified. Please, can you use the microphone? Sure, I think you have to... I missed the first part. The first posture? Yeah. So the first posture that I'm um, suggesting would be maybe a posture of collapse or merger. It's the idea of like when you are, you know, you ever been with somebody and they were really upset and you just started crying too? You just fell apart? You just sort of, you know, or even with your own emotions, they just... They come over you and you lose all your consciousness almost. It's like you just fall into it fully and it, it consumes you completely. So there's no witness. There's no support. There's just this collapse or this merger. And maybe sometimes when things are really, really bad, that's appropriate, right? But ideally we get back to the sense of stability and being with. Yeah? Can we get the mic to you? Because this is being recorded, so. Well, you kind of just said it, but <laughs> um, isn't it sometimes, I don't know, cathartic and possibly healing to have a good cry? Absolutely. Just collapse into it? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I mean, the Dalai Lama can be quite beautiful to watch because sometimes, um, and I've seen other people do this, but Analio, who's a teacher in this practice and a monk. But, you know, the Dalai Lama will be talking and somebody might just simply ask a question. Like, I think one time I saw somebody asking him a question like, um, what's the fastest way to get enlightened? And he, he took that question in and he actually sobbed. And But the thing is, it's so beautiful. What you can see is the emotion comes in and he just feels it, opens it, opens up to it, and it con- comes in fully, is expressed, and then it moves, and the next moment he's laughing. So that's that regaining of the stability. 
So yes, you know, they can come in and really be powerful. But sometimes, you know, there's a there's a there's certain kinds of emotions that I know for me this one last week was just no, that's not one I want to that's not there's that's just pure suffering. Mm. That's just pure dukkha. That's not healthy. That's not a wise view. You can make emotions bigger by your relationship to them. And and so they're not just this pure movement of energy through us. There's something about we're contributing a self or an identification or a, yeah. a version or something to them that just, they, they, it's not, it doesn't seem wise to me. Mm-hmm. So merging or collapsing, too disconnected, too far, not resonating at all, and side by side. All right, any other clarifying questions? Great. So prepare yourself for a guided meditation. Finding your meditation posture, a position that you feel like you can hold comfortably, you know, for half an hour or so. I don't know how long it'll go. A posture that feels both relaxed, yet you can feel the awakeness, the aliveness, and the sort of, I think of it as an inner lift, like as if there was a string tied to the top of my head that was connected to the sky and there was this just gentle lift this supportive lift uplift that's it uplift this feeling of uplift interest and let's set an intention to just meet ourselves And whatever arises, to meet it with warmth, kindness. And I'll offer a poem by Bob Sharples. He says, Don't meditate to fix yourself, to heal yourself, to improve yourself, or redeem yourself. Rather, Do it as an act of love, of deep, warm friendship with yourself. In this way, there is no longer any need for the subtle aggression of self-improvement or the endless guilt of not doing enough. It offers the possibility of an end to the ceaseless round of trying so hard that wraps so many people's lives in knots. Instead, now, there's a meditation as an act of love. So mindfulness of breath and body in an act of love. And just take a few minutes here in silence to invite, may I, may I practice mindfulness of body and breath as an act of love. And letting go is love. Letting go of the striving, the over-efforting, fixing.
And if you wish and you're ready, bring to mind someone who for you embodies compassion. It can be someone you know personally or someone you know of, just like the Dalai Lama or Gil Fronstel. It could be the Mother Mary, Guan Yin, Green Tara, some, someone who embodies compassion and consider their qualities, actions, and the ways you experience their compassionate presence. Just inviting the mind to help you recall, remember, and connect. to the feelings, actions of compassionate presence. Maybe the voice, the tone of the voice, or the kind words, or the gaze, the soft, kind gaze of their eyes could be the way they put their hand on your shoulder or listen to you. You really feel heard when you're with them. Could be how you see them respond to other people's suffering. I think of a story of Sharon Salzberg. She tells at the Insight Meditation Society when the Dalai Lama came to visit their center, she had a broken leg and she was pretty miserable and standing in the back of the crowd. And the Dalai Lama walked right over to her and asked her if she was okay. Another story of the Dalai Lama that just blows me away is he was walking through an airport with his entourage, people following him. There was a group of Dharma teachers sitting in one of the um, lounge areas and You know, he scurried by and then he turned around and came back and bowed to them and then went on his way. So connecting with a felt sense of this compassion And then connecting with your own wish that they too be free of suffering. Your compassion for this great compassionate being could even be a a dog or a cat, really. Maybe not a cat. Just bringing to mind the wish that they be free from suffering, knowing this is not something you can control. But it's a wish that you can offer freely. And so you might find some phrases that help you offer this sense of compassion phrases that make the most sense to you. I'll offer some and you can choose 
or adapt. Phrases like, I care about your difficulties. May you be held in compassion. May your heart be at ease. I see your suffering and I care. May your heart be held at peace. Allow yourself to repeat one, two or so of these phrases over and over again for the next five minutes. Just holding this compassionate being, maybe imagining they're sitting in front of you. Offering the phrases without attachment or expectation. Not trying to make yourself feel any particular way. But maybe here noticing your posture. Noticing if there's the capacity to sit side by side. May you be free from suffering. May your heart be at ease.
gently allowing the phrases to quiet. Like dropping, you've dropped a stone in the well and letting yourself feel the ripples, the impact of your offering. Feel it in your body. Open around it. With a soft, soft gaze and a soft, soft body. And let's reset the intention to just meet ourselves and whatever arises with warmth and affection. I'll read the poem again. Don't meditate to fix yourself, to heal yourself, to improve yourself, or redeem yourself. Rather, do it as an act of love, of deep, warm friendship with yourself. In this way, there is no longer any need for the subtle aggression of self-improvement or the endless guilt of not doing enough. It offers the possibility of an end to the ceaseless round of trying so hard that wraps so many people's lives in knots. Instead, now there's a meditation as an act of love. Feeling the body and breath with love. And imagine that the person you were holding in compassion now turns their gaze toward you. Connecting with what it feels to be in their presence. And that felt sense of compassion that you have for them. That you truly want to see them free from suffering. And the phrases that you were using that made the most sense for you. I care about your difficulties. May you be held in compassion. May your heart be at ease. May you be free from suffering. This person now has these phrases for you. Acknowledging what's hard for you. Start by first letting yourself, letting your suffering be acknowledged. as best you can. Feeling their tenderness. And then their phrases, hearing the phrases offered to you. The same well wishes that you offered them that you, they are now letting you know that they care about your difficulties. May you be held in compassion. May your heart be at peace. May you be free from suffering. May your heart be at peace. May you be held in compassion.
May your heart be at ease. May you be free from suffering. Taking in their compassionate wishes as much as possible. Allowing them to touch your heart. If there's any resistance or difficulty, know that they see that with compassion. They understand, they suffer too, just like you, they suffer. You might try being their eyes. You might try you might try imagining seeing you through their eyes. Letting yourself experience you the way they see you and your suffering. Now imagine seeing yourself with your own eyes. Trying to direct that same compassion to yourself. I care about my difficulties, my suffering. May I be held in compassion. May my heart be at peace. May I be free from suffering. And when suffering arises, resistance or judging arises. Just see that as your suffering. Yes, yes, I suffer just like you. And may I be held in compassion. May I care 
about my difficulties, even the ones I'm critical of. May my heart be at peace. And whatever difficulties arise, they belong here too. It's clear where love is needed. And part of where it's needed is to those barriers those blocks to the compassion, the resistance, the feeling that we don't deserve it. May my heart be at peace. May I care about my difficulties. May I be held in compassion. May I be free from suffering. Gently holding whatever's arising, just offering the phrases that feel right to you planting the seeds of compassion. Compassion for others, compassion from others, compassion to ourselves. And once again, noticing your posture. Is there a merging or collapsing? Is there a wall or rejection? Or is there a feeling of being side by side? First, I just want to invite um, any reflections from the meditation. How was that for you? What did you notice? Anybody willing to pick up a mic? And if you don't want to answer out loud, just answer to yourself. How was that for you? What did you notice? What came up for you? Okay, Carol, thank you. Um, One thing that I noticed when we went to the very end where we were giving compassion to ourselves, not the being, but giving it, but, mm-hmm. you know, saying for ourselves. Yeah. I noticed that my thinking mind started coming in way more than the rest of the the meditation. I was able to be, like, in a compassionate space, kind of holding space. Yeah. But when I got to the eye, it was just, mm-hmm. I started getting, um, yeah, kind of, yeah, out of that space. Yeah. Yeah. Was there a lot of like um inner debate or Yeah, I I started coming up with phrases that weren't even which is fine maybe, but you know, then I started analyzing those phrases. Uh, oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah, it got into analysis that just Yep. kind of didn't belong, I think. So that's that's wonderful to see. Because what you're seeing is one of the blocks to compassion flowing for yourself, 
for yourself, right? Just sort of, we have conditioned ways that will come up, and they'll come up in different directions, these three directions, for others, from others, for ourselves. Thank you for sharing. Anybody else? Great, there's a mic right there. Thank you. Hmm. I I have to um, have a, a very challenging conversation in the morning with um, someone I've been challenged with, <laughs> and uh, I you know kind of wrote it out first, and I've been rehearsing and. To, in order to be succinct with it and clear and, and in all of my rehearsing a lot of like defensiveness and anger is, is um, the emotional tone mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> I've been doing all day like rehearsing and then I'm like midway I'm like boop okay got too angry let's start again because <laughs> you know, I also know with that emotional tone that the content won't be as received yeah and so I'm being very mindful about wanting the message to be received well and as well as you know practicing what I preach if I say I'm a compassionate person so I've been really working with this. And so I say thank you because this practice really helped me to cultivate mm-hmm. compassion for her. Mm-hmm. Like not just feel it or think it, but cultivate it yeah. and feel compassion for her. And so I... And for myself, this is a hard situation for me, for both of us. And um, I trust that, uh, you know, I think the content, the words will be the same, but the feeling tone will be compassion. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Beautiful. Thank you. So maybe I'll shift and just do a little talking, um, short talking before we do some breakout groups. I just want to say a few more things. There's so much, I'll first, there's so much I could say. I mean, like, I have pages of notes, right? And um, so, there's, you know, I just, I'll say a few things and then, if somebody has a question, if there's an area that they're struggling with, ask it, and then I'll try and pull from my notes and thoughts and respond to, to those, because I can't, this can't get to all of it. But I want to really emphasize how foundational compassion is for our spiritual practice. It's absolutely critical and necessary for our practice and for our awakening. And when we're, when we're really in compassion, the standing with integrity, the side-by-side compassion, there's this willingness to let this be this and this be this. And this resonance with the hurt, the pain. But there's also an understanding of capacity for wholeness. And there's also a desire to help relieve the suffering. But also knowing we don't rush in to fix somebody. We just make a mess. So there's this integrity and wholeness and companionship and differentiation, but, but also oneness, right? There's all of these parts. And compassion is part of the Brahma Viharas, right? These are the four 
heavenly abodes, the mind states that start with loving kindness, and we build to compassion, then sympathetic joy and equanimity. So loving kindness is a good foundation to help also cultivate compassion. So what, for example, if we're having this conversation and we're struggling, it can be helpful just to simply put, may you be safe, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be at ease. Just remind ourselves that that's what we want for this person. It can also be helpful to say, oh yeah, you're suffering. Just like me. And I suffer just like you. If we're feeling a sense of judgment, right? The sense of, you're a mess. <laughs> or whatever it is, you know? It's like, oh, you know, they're suffering. I suffer too. And just like me, they suffer. Just to kind of bring us back into connection. And compassion is often, I don't actually know where this comes from, but compassion is often talked about as one of the two wings necessary for awakening. Like a bird has two wings for it to fly. One is wisdom and the other is compassion. So compassion literally means to suffer together. Among emotion researchers, it's defined as the feeling that arises when you're confronted with another suffering and feel motivated to relieve that suffering. But we need that wisdom. We need that wisdom because that motivation to relieve suffering often can come with an attachment, clinging to wanting somebody to be happy so I can be okay, or wanting, you know, thinking I know how to fix it and they don't. And these things really interfere. And it's not, not compassion's not the same as empathy or altruism. They're related but different. Empathy refers more to our ability to take a perspective and feel the emotions of another person. Um, and compassion has this added piece of wanting the suffering to be alleviated. And the core of compassion means to temporarily suspend judgment so that you can appreciate others' perspective or situation when they're different from your own. This is, you know, we, last month we spent a lot of time with wise communication. Last two months, really. Listening. This is so much about listening. Being willing to listen and to receive the uniqueness of the person or the other being that you're with. And, you know, to be compassionate, we need to be genuinely genuinely concerned about the other person's needs. In Kristen Neff's research on compassion, self-compassion, she says there's three core elements. Mindfulness, which means we recognize what's going on, right? We need to be aware and in the present moment. Self-kindness, for self-compassion is necessary. And this understanding of common humanity. That we're not alone, that we're not unique in our difficulty. So uh, they suggest a three, perspect- three perspectives to check in on ourselves when we're engaging and wanting to be cultivating and acting from compassion, looking with self-compassion in particular. So there's self-kindness versus self-judgment, right? So those are two extremes. And then there's common humanity versus isolation. So checking into that, where are we at in that continuum? And then there's mindfulness over versus over-identification. Maybe my version of that is the merging, right? The collapse. So mindfulness is that presence with. So signs of compassion are feeling like you have a lot in common with other people, even though they're very different in many ways. One of the really very fun ways I've experienced this is working with a very diverse group of people and doing what we call deep introductions. So we talk about, there's a model called addressing, and you talk about all these different aspects of your identity. 
And so in this diverse group, you, you share your religious identity, your racial identity, your cultural, your, um, your generational, your, like, all, you know, gender, sexual orientation, all these, all these ways that we create identities. And then everybody shares on this really deep level, and it's like, wow. You know, you start to see the commonness in the uniqueness, right? But, you know, we, we really need to have that capacity to hold both. You know, how to see each other as unique, and then to see where we're human, right? We're all human in our uniqueness. So let me pause here and see if there's any requests or questions, any, anything that anyone wants me to say a few more words about before we move into uh, um, breakout groups, small groups. Great. There's two mics. Thank you. Lyman for helping. Thank you. Um, You're talking about empathy and uh, compassion. So, in my case, when someone is suffering, especially if he's or she's one of my siblings, I totally get involved, and I I suffer more than they, mm-hmm. <laughs> they do. So, and then I get involved, and I try to help so much, and uh, and I lose the compassion for myself. Then mm-hmm. so, I I've done it so much that mm-hmm. I think I don't know how to be compassionate about my own, myself. So, and the distinction between these two is pretty hard for me to mm-hmm. set the boundary or I like to put it in definition. Uh, like if I'm clear what empathy is and what compassion is or what wisdom is or what... And, these words mm-hmm. has a lot of meaning for me. Mm-hmm. So when I define something, I get into that definition and I mm-hmm. I act better, I behave because I'm more conscious of it. So, so let me say one thing that helps for me, which is understanding suffering from a Buddhist perspective. From a Buddhist perspective, suffering is, especially, you know, the non-optional kind, <laughs> it has to do with some, we're clinging to something. We want something different than the way it is. And, um, you know, we're not accepting what's going on and uh, we're making things worse for ourselves. So, if we really want somebody to not have the optional kind of suffering, probably we don't want to do a whole lot of fixing for them. But rather, what we want to do is try and help them recognize where are they adding to the difficulty. Does that make sense? So, you know, you, you might be doing a lot of helping, which might not be exactly what the Buddhist definition of compassion is. What is that? So that would be, to me, more like um, you, you do resonate with the suffering, you see the hurt, you see the need, and you do want to help. But the wisdom in the Buddhist tradition is to pause here because we don't want to hurt others, but we also don't want to hurt ourselves. 
So we've got to maintain enough side-by-side standing, enough mindfulness. What you're describing, for me, feels like the collapse, the merging. And then we just become infused in part of it. And we're not actually maybe going to be reducing the suffering. We might be helping, fixing, but maybe not maybe not helping the actual suffering dissipate. Does that make sense? Okay, good. Any other clarifications or comments or questions before we get you in little sweet groups to share? Great. Oh, do you, Kyla? Do you have some? Okay. All right. So why don't we do one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two. So let's do two groups of four and one group of three. And I do invite you, if you know somebody, to not be in the same group, but you can choose what you want to do. Just um, And so just bundle up. Create a little group of four. Are there, are there, actually, there's three groups of four. Will you join, Richard? Great. So go ahead and move your bodies around. And All right, so once you finish, if you didn't quite finish, you can finish after I say this. Um, what I want to in- invite you to um, kind of talk about is, um, if you think this is relevant to you, this idea of these three postures. And... Um, you know, the merging, the walling off, and the side-by-side. And, you know, what is your conditioning that happens around emotions? Where, where, do, What patterns do you fall into? And remember, there's these three postures, and then there's the three directions. So you might think about what's your posture when you're offering compassion, what's your posture when you're receiving compassion, and what's your posture with self-compassion? Right, so because it's dynamic and it can be different in all three. So maybe um, maybe it would be nice to do kind of a spiral sharing where one person shares about. We'll st- take the directions first. When you think about you know offering compassion to others, what's what's your experience of your posture with when you're offering others? Do you feel side by side? Do you feel walled off, or do you feel like you merge? You fall into like you know, and just say a f- little bit about that, what you feel in your body, what you're noticing about your conditioning, how you feel about it, you know, not too much, because you want to go around th- the circle at least three times, right? Um, and if you have your own po- idea of a posture that's different than those three, feel free to share, okay? Great. Yeah. <laughs> So thank you for, you know, engaging and um, I'll share just a couple more things and then I would love to hear, you know, if you have some takeaways from tonight or additions, other postures you'd like to propose or anything like that. (laughs) So just, just some things to know that are helpful. Like, so when they've studied compassion a lot um, and you do a lot of compassion training, your emotions increase. <laughs> so it, what doesn't happen is we don't get less, you know, distress. We 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 get we make more room for the distress, more room for the emotion. And this is that side by side is so important here, right? Because if we fall into it, if we're collapsing, we are going to burn out so fast. And, you know, the other part is too much distancing takes a lot of a toll on us, too. You know? So, we're not trying to make distress go away, because it's part of life, but rather make room for it to be with it. And another thing that can block some flow of compassion is when we have reactive distress... When somebody's distressed and we're reacting to that distress, 
that can really block the flow of uh, support and compassion, right? Because then we can either build on each other's reactivity or we react. Things are, it's like a bouncing ball, you know. And it sometimes it's harder than others to feel and connect with compassion. Sometimes we might be around suffering and not feel anything at all, really. And we can still act compassionately. It's okay. We can still show up with, you know, compassionate hands and feet and mouths and ears. And just to kind of normalize, there's lots of fears of compassion, lots of blocks. We didn't even begin to get into them, but it's very normal. Very normal. So, it's actually 8 o'clock, but does anyone want to say anything before we dedicate the merit of our practice? Sorry, there's not more time. All right, well, may this practice, may this exploration, may it bring wisdom more deeply into your bones and may it strengthen that muscle of your heart to stand upright you know and with all the suffering you run into when you leave this room (laughs) And, and may the way you respond to that suffering support that other and they then support others and may we all meet suffering with more wisdom and true compassion as our guide. Thank you. If you celebrate, have a happy holiday, and I'll see you next week. Thank you.